0: If more of you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Blah
1: man, blah, the Blubbity-blah. Send blah Sending out good vibes. Blubbity-blah. Good vibes.
2: blah Good vibes. Blah blah Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a de and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
0: Cool. Okay, guys, welcome back to the American Show. Coming at you this week with friends of the show, Owen Hunt. Funny, we've had—he's been on the show a bunch of times. You guys probably heard him. Whether it's a CAC show or a pre CAC show, or we had a panel, yeah. We had him on Outlawed twice on the panel and again. I think it was like the 14th, or he was in the first 20 episodes of Outlawed, which is when we first met him. Someone put me in touch with him. I can't remember who, but shout out to you.
2: I think it was about Outwitting the Devil, I think, wasn't it?
0: Well, the whoever this is is actually friends with him, I think. Actually knows him and was like, You guys have a lot of common. Yeah, outwitting the devil was part of it. And uh here we are. A couple of years later we've met him a few times, consider him a good friend. Hanging out with him. Again, yeah, we had a great chat. So it, was, it seemed crazy that we hadn't had it given him his own Grand America show yet. We get his own Gram America art and all that sort of fun stuff, had the full Gram America experience.
2: Speaking of outwitting the devil, do we, do the people know that we had uh that book come out recently on audio?
0: I don't know if they know. When did, no, probably not.
2: There's a link in the show notes because we do talk about it on this show with Owen because that kind of was one of the things that we talked to Owen about way back when was Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil. So, so Think and Grow Rich, Outwitting the Devil are, are both on our audio podcast now. Adult
0: Brain Audiobooks. I don't know if, if you guys haven't heard about it yet. It's uh, quickly becoming the number one audio podcast in the world. Uh, audiobook book podcast. Uh, book. What did I say? Audio podcast. Well, we get there one day. Anyway, the audiobooks. Honestly, there wasn't a lot of. There's not a lot of audiobook podcasts out there. We seriously could uh, take that title with a little help from you guys. Obviously, this is the kind of content that doesn't require conspiracies or Bigfoots or any of that shit. Uh, these audiobooks are books that will. Appeal to a bunch of people. They don't have to sign up. It doesn't have to cost them anything. I I don't have all the books in there yet, but I'm coming up on 90, at least 85 or 86, depending on which. I got to go through them now because depending on which feed I look at, I'm getting different numbers. (laughs) And it should all be the same because it's all just one RSS feed, but maybe some are slower to update. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Somewhere between 85 and 90 books uploaded, like Graham said, including... Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill, one of my favorite books of all time, if not my favorite book of all time, which is now available for free in its entirety. The whole five-hour book is available for free uh, on the podcast feed, as well as Low by Charles Fort and Cosmogenesis, The Secret Doctrine, Volume 1 by Helena Blavatsky. So because that's adultbrain.ca, it's just adultbrain wherever you get your podcasts. We would appreciate it if you guys could uh, tell your friends about that one. Send that one out to anyone who likes audiobooks. Send them a text or an email or something.
2: Well, we got to talk about the latest one, too. I mean, you just put the out latest, uh,
0: the UFO one.
2: The Flying Saucers Are Real. Like, this is a classic UFO book because this is by Donald Kehoe. He was part of the NICAP back in the 50s. And this book came out in 50. 50s. So, this is before the Robertson panel officially pivoted to ridicule. And uh, this is like through the late '40s. I mean, Roswell isn't even mentioned in here, but there's a shit ton of other legit case. Well, actually, actually, I think Roswell is mentioned in here. It's just not mentioned by name. But there's two parts where I think he's talking about R- Roswell, but they don't say Roswell. But it's uh, it's a case. Of, it's a crash in New Mexico. So I think it's New Mexico for sure. Um. But this is, a, this is a really interesting book because he just goes through this whole investigative process because he's writing a, uh, an investigative piece for a magazine called True and he gets connected with the Air Force and the, the Navy and I think even the CIA wasn't or was just started up back then um, and then they fucking, they cock-blocked him at the very end. <clears throat> cock-blocked? Yeah. Brutal. Ah. Super fascinating.
0: That's one that just came out. The flying saucers are real. It's adultbrain.ca. Tell your friends. Uh, it's a podcast now, with almost a hundred books. It will be at a hundred books soon enough. A bunch of free ones and thousand hours of entertainment every month for free, or you can become a member for seven bucks a month. Really can't go wrong. Check it out. It's a bunch of great books. It's it's uh it's coming into its form over there. So what do you got? How was your trip?
2: Uh, it was good. I went to a wedding. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. A cowboy boot, like a very country wedding. Like it was in a tiny, tiny small town in a hall, like, uh, and, and a, in a, in a four in a, on a farm, like the ceremony took place on a farm with the trees. And it was, it was very interesting to be like at a Saskatchewan, like a typical Saskatchewan wedding before I, like three weeks before I moved to a small town in Saskatchewan, you know, like it really felt weird being in the, in my new home for a bit there.
0: How'd you fit in?
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I I didn't, I wasn't really super social actually. Just, uh, just sort of did what I had to do. And was everyone wasted? Uh, some people were, yeah. Some people were a lot of country music and country dancing and stuff. So not really my jam, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to like it more than more actually. There you go.
0: Well, you'll be a Saskatchewaner for soon. So
2: I know it's crazy. And, of course, you texted me because you were hunting, right? You're like, hey, any ponds out there? And then the next day I drive by like a million ponds.
0: Was there ducks?
2: Yeah, oh, shit, ton of them,
0: yeah. Saskatchewan has some of the best, if not the best, duck hunting in the world.
2: Well, like we said, I went north. Like, I had to go to the wedding was just north of where I was. So it was getting a little hilly and a little bit more sort of like ponds and lakes. And it wasn't quite so prairie. Lots of ponds.
0: Yeah, I might have to check my app for what the land, what the land, uh, yeah, who owns what, what's private, what's huntable, all that kind of stuff. So, because I mean, I don't mind it here, I can't complain. I shot a lot of ducks this weekend, be we shot probably 30 ducks or geese over the weekend, which ain't bad. A little warm for the waiters right now, which kind of wow. sucks. What does but that mean? Like, while well, you're in fucking neoprene.
2: Oh, oh, you it's too warm out. Not the water, but the warm. It's not air. bad when
0: the sun catches. It's when the sun catches you. It gets kind of shitty. But we blasted some ducks. We'll blast some more. The migration ain't on yet. So it's just the locals, not juveniles that were born in the spring. It'll be, I don't know, whenever it starts to get cold. Another few weeks, the ducks will really start running. Maybe October 1st-ish. Duck hunting's the best, so it's fun. It's tough to beat. the sure. duck. Out. I'm getting some turkey tags for Idaho and Montana for my bow while I'm down there. Wow. Because we're driving down all them back roads all the time. I've seen a ton of turkeys all over the place. So this time I'm going to have a, a tag in the States. Non-
2: you mean you're going to have your bow with you and you're going to stop in the middle of your trip and shoot a turkey?
0: If the situ- if the opportunity arises. Oh my here. God. Ideally, I'll come home with four turkeys. Matt- <laughs> Poor wild turkeys. I know some places around Ponderay where there's a bunch where I've seen turkeys on them roads. So I'm hoping to. Wow. Night, maybe when everyone's partying, if it's not dark yeah. I could rip down there. But mostly just for the drive, you know, we're doing a drive. We do a pretty good drive through both of those states. Yeah. Almost driving, you know, a couple hundred miles a day. It's to some remote spots. Look at some remote shit. So. I'll have my bow, and uh, if I see turkey, I'll shoot it and bring it home and eat it for Christmas. Nice. I'd like to get a bunch of turkeys, but in Alberta, they're pretty hard to find. It's just too cold here.
2: Oh, I've never seen one live. I mean, I mean, wild. Me either. Or live, probably. Well, I think um, there's lots
0: in BC by like radium.
2: Yeah. Do you? Uh. So you're talking about the trip in Montana with Ronald Carlson and them, which yeah, is completely I mean, sold out. It's gonna be a good trip.
0: Yeah, it's only a week away. I'm leaving in a week.
2: Are you? Have you? I mean, people are expressing their excitement to the to the to the Canadian trip that we're doing in November. Like,
0: yeah, that's coming see? up too. There's still some spaces open for that. So if people want to head over contact at cabin dot com, we got a great trip coming up with, uh, of course, Randall on Monday, but well, Brandon Powell coming up here to Canada to uh, have some wild game dinners. And stay at a big lodge out in Invermere in the Rocky Mountains, see some of the beautiful Rocky Mountains, Banff, all that shit. And uh do some cold plunging, some hot springs, real hot springs in the mountains. And it'll be a blast. There's like eight spots left, maybe six. Contact at the cabin Check it out. Contact the chalet, I think is what we we're calling that one. It's uh definitely encouraged. Right on. So when do you leave? So oh,
2: not when I get back.
0: Are you leaving like that next weekend.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll be uh, here when you get back. Yeah.
0: And you leave the next weekend. Yeah, yeah.
2: Do
0: yeah. you have a storage unit?
2: It's in the driveway right now. It's- oh, you just they just keep that pod someplace. Yeah, it's a it's a sea can basically. And then they bring it to Saskatchewan. Yeah,
0: and store it for you.
2: Yeah, well no, I'm well it's it they it takes them a while to do it cuz it has to go to the Saskatoon yard and then get to delivered to us. So it, it's cheaper the longer you can wait for it to be delivered the cheaper it is, but I'm just going to have it sit sitting where we are for now until we sort out the living arrangements and stuff and figure figure out all that. So that's gonna, it's going to sit there for a while. How big is it? It's a Doing regular sedan. It's There's a regular sea can, or
0: bigger? Yeah, yeah it's
2: a, yeah, it's a regular sea can. Yeah, but our old one was a twenty foot. I think you can get 10, it twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, it's it's uh it's the it's the standard sort of mid mid size sea can. I guess I can't fit all your stuff. No, it doesn't. It won't. I, I'm still renting a U-Haul too. Full size U-Haul. Yeah. I feel yeah.
0: like you still have too much stuff.
2: No, no, we sold a bunch of shit. We sold a yeah. whack of stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. We'll miss you around here. Oh know.
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, at least we're all online now. Yeah. I'm just gonna stay here in Chester for now. I'm looking at Langdon though. I think I might go to Langdon eventually.
2: Yeah. I might for come long. back for the odd job. Like help I'm gonna help Sean paint for a few weeks before I move. Um got I'm gonna have a day job for a few weeks here to just supplement the income a little bit and help Sean and I might come back for uh you know to to help him. On some stuff. You never know.
0: I'd like to get into a fucking farm, but everything's retarded right now. It's silly.
2: Oh, yeah. Canada's... like The housing crisis is not going to get any better in Canada. I just watched a real estate... uh, The angry real estate agent... The angry broker, maybe his name is? And he was just railing on it. It's going to take a long time to correct. They're way behind.
0: It's going to take a minute. So... I mean, if you want to help us out in you know, those vegetator, grandamerica.ca slash support today, sign up for a monthly or make a one time donation. It really does help. Every dollar helps us, uh, you know, a pay the sh- bills for the show and B help, uh, pay the bills for life, you know, eat food, gas, rent at all costs of fortune these days. And we could use uh, some more people signed up for an hour, 625 or whatever it is. Episodes all out there for free. If you're getting some value from them shows, head over to grandamerica.ca slash support today and send some value back our way. Listen, we also got the audiobook podcast we're talking about. You can go check that out. If you like, you can sign up there. That ends up in the same bank. You can head over to uh, Grand America Outlawed. Listen to the roundups where we talk about stuff we're not allowed to talk about here. We just did one on COVID where people aren't alive anymore to do with something that they did around the COVID time. And then we also did some stuff where people have turned from boys to girls and stuff like that. So that's all on the roundup stuff. That's the plus only. Grammaricaoutlaw.ca. Six bucks a month if you want to sign up for that or grammarica.ca slash support. Those are the three ways really to support us around here. Other than that, you can also uh, support through Substack if you sign up for the newsletter. The Substack for GrandAmerica All sorts of stuff. Head
2: to It's
0: got links for everything. But it is pretty important to support the show right now.
2: Speaking of outlawed, I just got an email. Um I'd like to read it from one of our outlawed episodes. And it kinda it kind of is kind of fits more with Grammerica, really, the traditional show. Um, do you got a jingle or you just wanted to read it? What is it? What kind of jingle? I don't know. Oh, like uh
0: Grammerican
2: just to just a, yeah. Well,
0: wow.
1: Tradition of
3: Grime American
2: goodies by the people, all the people. So this gets into it's it quite a long email. I'm just going to read the, some highlights from it. So um, first, let me to Darren Gr- Darren Grimes and Graham Dunlop. First, let me say thank you again for the content of your shows. And this is talking about Outlawed here. You are willing to step out there and let people speak. This last one, I feel you may feel otherwise, is probably your most important segment ever. I feel that I need to send you some extra money. Already a plus member because of what you guys offered. Please tell me how to send 50 bucks. Older fart, no online banking. I want to tell you where I've been and what's been happening with me, us, and how your segment really speaks to absolutely everything. Sorry, it might drag out a bit, but context is important. Which, show, which
0: episode is he talking about? Yeah. The Roundup?
2: A- att- no, attention is the currency of the realm. Uh, that's from Wayne Mathias now that is now my mantra and it's i think he was saying i think he said attention is the coin of the realm that's right but um because i remember coin is being like very interesting the way he said it um so there was our it was our episode with wayne matthias just uh last week it came out on mind control he's got a sub a really interesting sub stack and um i just closed down my thing by mistake So then, so then he gets gets into like, you know, why do Christians pray? Um, It talks about uh, the power of focusing that that Wayne talks about. Um, Why do we pray over food? And then power of positive thinking, power of belief. So here's an anecdote. Must express I am not woo, or at least I do not consider myself so. And I'm around plenty of folks who I do consider woo. Pre COVID, I was pretty status quo. I believed everything fed to me via the news for years. I wondered a lot. I wondered I wondered a lot and towards 2018, 2019, I was starting to really wonder what I was being fed. After COVID came it was like someone took down the curtains. Nothing was as nothing was as I had always thought it to be. I now no longer trust or believe anything anyone says to me without checking it out first. I trust my government not at all, and I seriously doubt anything they say will ever be something I trust again. My doctors are fraud. History is a lie. Science is fraudulent. While still capable, it chooses to be unethical. Church is ageist, sexist, and unfriendly, and I don't think that church leadership understands any more than I do about our purpose here really is, about what our purpose really is. My neighbors and friends are, in many cases, complete zombies, believing what the current narrative is, wearing masks in the summer and asking the young person who passed away suddenly may have died of fentanyl. Our neighbor said, we are just waiting to hear what they want us to do next. You get my drift. So, anyways, <clears throat> they get into this. Um, of course, you know, once you go down this rabbit hole, you start getting into all kinds of things, right? So they get into like org- orgon stuff. So they have these three freezers, right? So they made these. Or- they made this orgon. You know what orgon is, right? That sort of sort of natural energy or whatever. Um, Isn't
0: we, that we, the we, one where they just freeze, throw a bunch of shit inside some resin, and say that it blocks EMF?
2: Yeah, yeah. So they're saying like what if we made these things oh, I
0: mean, put a certain thing in the resin or is that what the organ is
2: yeah like usually the metal shavings metals resin. and yeah pyramid shaped stuff and so they so they're like why wouldn't organite work well it seems out there actually but uh, they decided to make it so they put on happy music and and build it outside and reveling and watching it from form and pop out of the trays i guess but does it work so we have four freezers. In three, we placed one Organite puck. So you remember you had a little puck on your computer there, right? So they made these little pucks. We put four. We made three. In three, we placed one Organite puck, in, and one, we did not. That we then put four plastic clear water containers in each freezer on the puck. In the three, the, the water froze in a vortex. In the fourth, it just froze in the usual slab form. Good enough for us. As I mentioned, the drinking water is so much better. Apparently, it is restructured. Do we understand it? Nope, but we can accept it. So then they made an earth pipe. That evening, the sky was covered with the real pokey smears of non-clouds. So on a lark, my daughter stuck the new pipe into a long copper pipe and started pointing it at the smeary so-called clouds. So they saw like a bunch of chemtrails up there. There's a real issue with chemtrails there. They burst apart and dispersed, okay, that is a bit weird, but the grandkids were here too, and they saw it. Each had to take a turn. Each is now convinced that something is possible, just what none of us knows. Then the earth pipe was inserted into the ground beside a pear tree there There are two side by side. The pear tree we gave to the the pear tree we gave the pipe to was a bit always a bit sickly. Within two weeks, its fruit had swelled its leaves had lushed and turned out vibrant green. And one of the branches broke from the weight of the fruit it was bearing. The other tree, 30 feet away, which was bigger, stronger, and had more fruit, did not ripe up as fast as this or get, get as large. Did not have its leaves change color. Did not change from the norm in any way and had more blight. So that's three. So after a careful um, experimentation, a lot of consideration and attention, we were pretty convinced that there was something to it. If they tell us it isn't going to rain and we believe it corporately, there is a ton of power. No wonder they want to control our thoughts. Because this is where it gets into, like, we talk about that, right? They do want to control our thoughts. It's mind control because we have power. We have individuality. We have responsibility. We can make changes. We can influence reality. We can influence reality. We can really change things, he says, or she says here. And, of course, you have those dumbkins who will ever... Only want sunshine that have been fought against as that would really separate camp of folks folks fighting against those wanting the rain. Not for nefarious reasons, just selfish ones. So probably didn't realize wild loof and food require rain to grow. Imagine if those minds could also harness to think about things or not to think about. This was a really powerful episode for me. It really helped me gel those nebulous thoughts that I've been having for so many months. I appreciate that I can write to you, and I hope that something I say here might resonate with you as well. You're obviously searching for something and likely having nebulous thoughts of your own. I hope things gel for you as well. I have so much more g- gelling to do, but this was wonderful. Thank you. And I hope I can take this lesson into my daily life rather than just talk about it here and put it into, all into practice. I think this is what is meant by the walk. The walk? Oh, that was Gareth, right? No, the... uh No. no. Well, I think it was Gareth But I think they're just talking about walking the walk You know
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it
2: That was a good one, thanks
0: We need more emails like that Why don't you guys fucking email anymore (laughs) Jesus Christ com. If you want to email You got anything else?
2: No, oh, I got a UFO quote
0: Oh, shit I still haven't saved the jingle So, let's see If I can just hammer it in the first time, God damn it. How many could we have? That's okay.
1: Okay. I am going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week words to ponder and critique. It's a profound
2: UFO quote of the week. right, Who said this? When a group of people don't want to admit something, there's nothing quite as hard-headed as a scientific committee. Robert Kennedy, Jr. Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Here's another one. The world we are being marketed has the has had the entire chapter and verse on alien visitation ripped out of it. That's uh from a flying saucer review website. Uh, you want me to guess it? No, no, no. no. I, that was who it was from. So Okay, I was gonna say I don't
0: I don't know that kind of stuff. I know that uh we need some support. America.ca slash support. Check out Get America Outlawed, tell your friends about the audiobooks, and uh more than anything enjoy the chat with our wonderful friend Mr. i'll do a quick i'll ben. do a hey, quick hey, Greenwin, you got a
2: bio yeah quick bio there he's a he's a blue collar mystic he has got that podcast the blue collar mystic um he's also river rafting guide he's uh, guest hosted some of our events he's a stand-up comedian narrator of audiobooks on his website uh, thought With thought-provoking interviews featuring prominent figures in self-development, spirituality, and occultism, he continues to guide his listeners toward the path of self-discovery and self-improvement.
0: There you have it. Wonderful cat, doing wonderful things to make the world a better place. Enjoy the chat. Go hunt.
2: how you doing buddy good to see you
3: hey there how's it going how's it going everybody
2: it's going good man we just finished getting uh outwitting the devil on audio so it's exciting exciting for us i know i think we kind of really talked to you about that way back when um yeah napoleon hill's book so
3: it's so solid i love that book it's one of my favorite books ever written i've learned about it i think through like a magician's youtube channel several years ago. And he was shocked that it was even published. But the thing about that book that's really interesting is it was never published until like 2011. It was like after his wife's death, they wouldn't, the family wouldn't publish it until after he was far gone. And even his wife was gone, you know, because of all the, I guess, you know, negative attention that could have come from that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, even just his invisible council, I mean, not not even just it being about the devil, but I mean, the whole thing was like pretty, pretty weird, right? For a lot of people, you know, he, he would meet with like, at first, I think it was nine or 10 of his like greatest idols, you know, Napoleon and, uh, and some of the founding fathers and Ford and, and, uh, Edison, and he would have this like imaginary council yeah. So he had and and you know they would all sort of have their own personalities and then he would he would uh, expand that later on. And so there's a lot of metaphysical stuff in there, you know, and then of course the conversation with the devil, which is fairly repetitive, it's still really good. I mean, it it's it's blo- it was really good timing for for me, maybe and for Darren too. Just uh cuz we've been through like this problem with the audiobooks and and some some challenges and and really like one of his main things was was, uh, you know, using failure as an opportunity, you know, like all the successful people failed, you know, they failed lots. It's how you get through it or whatever that, uh, you know, there's always sort of a way to create an opportunity out of failure, That sort of that resilience. So it's good to read about that. And the definiteness of purpose, of course, is the other main big one, too, which you probably get into with your reality transurfing quite a bit. Right. Having that definiteness of purpose seems to be the key to to all that.
3: I think that's really important. It's like fundamental, you know, is just having like a reason for being. The Japanese model is really cool too. The Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I, if people hadn't heard of that, Ikigai model. It's what you you enjoy doing, uh, you know, what you love, what you're good at and what the world needs and what you can be paid for. There's four quadrants and they kind (laughs) of like mix together. And so that's a great little tool to use as well to kind of help you to get an idea of, Because if you can establish, if you can define your purpose, if you can have that definiteness of purpose, it's so motivating, you know, even when you do fail, because, yeah, dude, tell me about failure. It happens over and over, (laughs) you know, trying to be conscious in those moments is probably the most difficult part of the game, you know, and that reality transurfing model is really good at that. Like everything's happening, you know, unfolding exactly as it should. And then when you get beyond that, and Vadim's later work in Tufty the Priestess, she's she's like this like goddess that like is kind of like a BDSM type of goddess, a different type of motivator uh, altogether. But basically she's saying everything's working out for your best interest. You're just too ignorant to understand it. You're a snail and you see everything as binary one or zero. Oh, it's bad. This is good. This is bad. This is good. And you can't see the universe working for you at large because you're so stuck on, you know, this very, uh, very close situation. Right. So we're not having that larger picture vision you know zooming out a little bit being able to see kind of where we are in the process what our ultimate goal is and how this may actually help us i mean i still struggle with it bro all the oh, yeah. time you know
2: yeah yeah well that, that was what like that was one of napoleon hills things that he got through right i mean he he failed a couple times during even though he had already done like all the a lot of the research for his his main book he failed and uh had to really kind of come to grips with with his i guess he sort of that's how he sort of found his other self or whatever to get him through all that but yeah he he really uh he really almost didn't make it out of that you know um how do you how do you see young people nowadays helping out young people that don't seem to have much of a purpose or much of uh much meaning or purpose like i don't even know if they could even come up with the definiteness of purpose right it just feels like I think there's sort of a like a hopelessness about the world and about uh you know how they're gonna get get by. I mean it's it's hard enough economically, so they just feel like, well, why should I even work? I can't like nobody can get by anyways. Like
3: Yeah, it's never been easier to be a kind of a nihilist. Uh and I and I understand it. Like it's uh I'm sympathetic to it too. I, I, I totally hear what you mean. Um, you know, you've got all these people in science even actively trying to convince people that, you know, uh, everything is determined, deterministic. It's a deterministic universe and we just can't help that we're here. And, you know, a a lot of like slipping on morals and slipping on our own virtues, identity and, uh, ideals is happening because of this kind of lackadaisical, um, sleep, sleepwalking through, like, there's no, Kind of, what is the point, right? Like, if if everything's determined and everything just just unfolding like this, and you don't have choice, well, what does it matter anyway? I was already going to eat a super value meal and I uh, get a milkshake, and you know, just this was already going to happen. It was all destined anyway. And I think that's really where science is. I don't. I don't want to say science. That's that's a too big of a word. But that's where a lot of scientist type people are pushing uh, things. Uh, Or mainstream, I guess, people. They're not really even scientists, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I had somebody come and talk on our podcast about free will not too long ago. And the whole idea of, like, all the self-help stuff, Napoleon Hill, Tony Robbins, Vadim Zealand, is that you have agency and you have choice. And if you don't believe that, then you're in for a world of hurt no matter what. And also moral compromise and just, I, I think, just ultimately sliding into nihilism it has and if, a, and
2: if yeah. there's nothing after death then why like what's the point right like if there's no meaning this if this life isn't going to make your future lives any more important or you're not going to be able to you know remember it but remember what you went through when you reincarnate i mean there's a whole different philosophy around you know additional lives and the afterlife that if, if you don't believe in any of that then of course, it just it's not it means nothing it's just gonna be dark after you could die time, so
3: sure, well, you know. and even if you don't you know believe in anything after life, um there's still a reason to do virtuous things, there's still a reason to do amazing things like uh, I've looked a lot back into the Greek philosophy as well, you know, like it, they're they're undefeated for a reason, <laughs> you know, like we built our entire Uh, infrastructure on the west of the west on greek philosophy for a reason you know so you know we can be certain of things euclidean geometry and just basic fundamental premises in philosophy um, they coalesce really well with spirituality and i think a lot of people just want to throw the west ideas and ideals away or make them look unappealing or um any in any way they can just kind of like shit on you know uh what our what our heritage is as an ideology as a as a philosophy it really has there's and and i think that a lot of that's clouded with like racial stuff and Gender stuff or whatever, all that, but it has literally nothing to do with the principles. Like, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, what your background is, what you've, how much school you've attended. You can still understand principles and abide by principles. There's still a reason to have uh, specific virtues or ethics and uh, and uplift other people in society. Um, one really good book uh, that I recently discovered is based on the Socratic method, kind of pulling that. Uh, back, It's called the courage to be disliked. And it was written by two, uh, uh, two Japanese authors. And one was a, uh, a student of a gentleman that had a, that was a rival of Carl Jung and, um, was basically carrying on the, the Socratic ideology in his, uh, philosophy. And his name was Alfred Adler. Adlerian psychology or Adlerian philosophy kind of goes by either one, but it's a great, it's a great, uh, ideology as well. He starts at the beginning and kind of goes after Jung's argument, you know, Jung and Freud were all about the trauma that happened to us. And he just says, there's no such thing as trauma. You know, I don't think I would agree with that entirely, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to attack an argument, that's a great place to start. And his point is very simple. You can take two people, who have had the same upbringing. They've had the same, you know, household, they've had the same situation happen to them. And they will both wind up in very different places over the course of their lifetime. So it really doesn't have as much to do with the trauma as it does with the response. And that's a big part of his point too, back to the idea of agency, right? Like trauma, a lot of times I think it's like, Oh, well I can just shove it off. That's an excuse. You know, I can't do X, Y, or Z because you know, my mom was left me at home when I was young, or you know what put a million different things in there, you know at a certain point, we have to take responsibility and <clears throat> that's the that's the other side of the coin i guess of agency is cliche as hell right when when people are like, well, you know uh <laughs> it's 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 like um what is that old saying where it's like uh responsibility uh It's like the hard part of basically of having choices that you have to be responsible as well. It's it's a old cliche, but I think a lot of old cliches are that way for a reason. Um, A lot of the stuff I think we get lost is when we kind of detach from responsibility, culpability, self-ownership, you know, the idea that we have agency and own ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, I totally like that. It seems like we end up getting identified with our trauma, you know, almost like I'm an alcoholic kind of thing. Which, which I, I have mixed feelings about that. But I mean, as far as like the trauma goes, like yeah, you wouldn't want to slip into that sort of that paradigm of that's just that's me, always traumatized or victimized. I mean, that's
0: the I would say the victim is even is is exponentially bigger than the trauma. You know, I guess they're kind of two different. Wings, maybe on the same bird, in some sense, but there's a bunch of people that are victims that that haven't even really had anything that I don't think you could really consider trauma, you know, unless it's like the same trauma we all got. That I'm just like, come on,
3: (laughs) right? That's not really trauma, you know. Like trauma is real. Like people have PTSD. I'm not trying to say that they don't, but most people, what they qualify as trauma is like fucking trauma. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I spilled a bunch of candy on the floor and my mom smacked me across the face like that's not trauma dude you know what i mean that's just childhood <laughs> we all dealt with that you know like bit by a snake or like a you know scratched by a cat you know it's just part of growing up and living life and even even, even regardless part
0: of like accelerated growing up you know arguably a lot of that trauma is just like whoa holy fuck like <laughs>
3: Well, yeah. And then to Graham's point at the beginning, it's like the more of that stuff you can deal with, like the more stronger and resilient you are. So now you're just being able to handle larger and larger amounts of stress. And, you know, the more that you can handle, then the more that you can accomplish and provide. So that's like, you know, that's a positive thing. Have you always been
0: this way? How did you, you know, did you, this always been sort of the path with, I mean, now you obviously you've gone the entrepreneurial route where you're where you're doing your own thing uh, financially as well. But what about like what's your sort of creation story?
3: I mean, for me, I got into conspiracy stuff around 2012. I was also turning 30. I was just seeking pleasure at the time. I love raft guiding and being out as an adventure guide. I was doing that a bunch. I was a ski instructor and just going to to raft as many whitewater rivers as I could <clears throat> just enjoying just enjoying like that part of life and then when I hit 30 I I don't know I just hit a wall and I don't know what exactly it was maybe some stuff on YouTube I saw a bunch of different documentaries and things but I started to just question the nature of reality and start to look for a little bit more information uh, a little bit look a little bit deeper I mean I was always Uh, a little, a bit of a thinker and a bit of an artist. I was a musician in college and I kind of, you know, scoffed at college, but I just got through it. Um, But yeah, when I hit 30, I discovered like Alex Jones and all that in 2012. And so I was like, it completely shifted my worldview. And I got to the point where I wasn't myself anymore. Like I didn't want to be around a lot of people. I was very antisocial and not very fun to be around. And in general, I'm, I'm a pretty fun, easy to be around person. Uh, but that, that was part of it. So I started reaching for spirituality at a, after a couple of years of just being alone and kind of, you know, literally stuck in like my dad's basement or whatever, you know? Uh, so I had to find something. So I started just digging and started looking into all the self-help stuff. I could find all the different, um, I, you know, ideologies that I could find the Tao, um, you know, Buddhism.
0: What, what had you gone to school for?
3: I went to school for recreation and leisure studies.
0: Also oh, like Vince Vaughn and that.
3: <laughs> right in <laughs> old school. Yeah, basically. Um, well, so there's a lot that you can do with that, but basically what I wanted was working on. I was an environmental educator. I was teaching kids about the, you know, the, the forest and stuff like that. And I wound up, becoming an adventure guide. It's definitely in the realm of, of that, like outdoor educate, a, education, uh, adventure instruction, you know, whatever, um, that's kind of in the realm as well as like government parks and recreation and, uh, edu- education, uh, teaching is technically a bachelor of science and education, but it was, uh, it was a, a very well-rounded degree. I don't think they have it anymore because it sounded so easy. They really tried to make it hard on us. Um, But I learned a lot, actually. I I read a lot of positive psychology stuff as a result of being in that major, like Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, um, where he talks about flow theory. And we learned about that and working in groups, group dynamics, a bunch of cheesy shit, you know, like team building and all that kind of stuff. But also Some
2: some of that's good, though.
3: Yeah. Also, some of that is actually really can be useful, you know, if it's done with good taste. Uh, So I did a bunch of that and, uh, and that's what led me into the adventure sort of field. And, um, you know, and then that's how I, uh, got started with that. And then, yeah, like I said, I, I kind of, I kind of hit a pivotal point, um, in 2012 when I turned 30, just like looking at all the stuff that I was missing, um, Historically, I felt cheated from from my education. And then I started to just learn as much as I could. I would read a bunch of different books. My curiosity never really burned that bright. You know, when you're being spoon-fed education or information and you just have to do it because it's compulsory, it's a little bit different than being like, hmm, I wonder why, you know, trees have pine cones on them. What is that? You know, and that's like an organic true liberal type of education where you start asking questions and then you go on this exploration and it turns out to be an adventure and you discover something. And that's what education I think should be. Uh, but that I didn't have that experience until much later in life uh, because I just kind of w- went through the motions with, with, with everything. And uh, I didn't have the opportunity Maybe a lot of that. I was going through a breakup at the time, maybe a lot of different things were happening that kind of led me to to look in some new places that I hadn't before because um, I was just living in a van, literally living in a van down by the river <clears throat> for years. I mean, on purpose, it was a great life. I, I, I'm not ashamed of it, but I'll say, too, there wasn't a, a, lot, a lot, a long way to grow it wasn't a lot that I could go from there. It's like you could become like the river manager, I guess. <laughs> you know, and you could just be like some old crusty dude that just hangs out at the raft barn and drinks PBR. And hey, man, no hate on that, but I don't know. I wanted to try something new, so I moved home. <laughs> from, I was living was in Montana.
0: Part of it was the breakup. Part of it was it like because uh, you know, like my divorce definitely played a role in some stuff. And you know, there's there's those moments of adversity. On a personal level, not even like a business failure level, but some of those things feel like real big personal failures. You know what I mean? It's like a failure that really, and it's not even a failure all the time. You know, it might just be a self-perceived failure, but those are the ones that seem to probably hit home the hardest and cause some real soul searching.
3: I think so. I mean, it was definitely a contributing factor. There were a lot. Even going into you know, outdoor education or whatever. I was that, that there was a breakup around that time too, where I was really trying to find something new, something different. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go out into the woods and explore that. That's something that I can kind of look into. So I think that definitely was a contributing factor. And it was something too, where I was just insufferable. Like I can't blame her really for being like, I can't deal with this guy anymore. Like he won't stop. Like I was literally in that, super annoying bargaining phase of uh dealing with this all this new information that I had learned about, you know, being a slave in the new world order and shit, you know? Like nobody wants to hear that, not a regular person, uh, all day. Uh and I was literally, I I would not stop about it. And I I, I really wasn't I, I I really wasn't uh it was a weird version of myself because that's not really, you know, personality wise, what you get with me. I'm I'm relatively okay to be around, <laughs> but I wasn't at that time, dude. Especially I
2: when it was still, when it was still somewhat okay back then in 20, 2012 or whenever that was.
3: Yeah. Before, well, especially, before, before, you know, yeah. Cause yeah. people are like, this is awesome. Life is good, dude. We get on a river and go down and get drunk every night. Like, why would you be mad about that? You know, like there's nothing to be upset about unless a bear attacks us. There's really nothing to complain about. We've got enough. And and we're living this minimalist lifestyle. And back then, you know, 2012, I didn't even have a smartphone yet. I was switching my my phones out depending on where I was. I would always have a temporary phone, and uh, because like there was only AT and T service in West Virginia, and then there was only Verizon service in Montana, so I couldn't keep the same phone number. So I had a flip phone until well into 2013. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was a completely different time then. So to come to that realization then. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I can't blame anybody for kind of being like, ah, maybe we shouldn't hang, you know, (laughs) not at that time. I I had a lot of work to do and a lot of pieces to put together myself to just complete my picture of the world. I think, you know, it was like a puzzle. I needed to put some things together and kind of see a little bit more context. So you
2: went back to your dad's and where was that?
3: In Georgia. Uh, And then I started working on a tree farm here in Georgia and then moved back to Athens because it's it was cheap here. I was working in, at a tree farm in Monroe, it was only about 20 minutes down the road. And so I moved back here in like 2013 and uh and did that. And so that's how that began my entrepreneurial journey, started studying marketing and you know, worked really hard on the tree farm um and then had my own tree farm and then we started doing Airbnb stuff when that became a thing and that really got me even more into entrepreneur territory. I started uh, yeah, I started learning about that and, um, and then having the opportunity to do a couple different streams of revenue and stuff. So that was cool. So that really began, you know, a whole other aspect of my life and, and, and reading a lot of that spirituality, self-help kind of stuff, entrepreneurship stuff. It's kind of in the same vein. It's very much, you know, you have agency, you got to do something, you know, people aren't going to come to you. You got to go, you know, you got to go to them if you want to, if you want to go out, you know, I see Uh, I see Darren on Facebook, like, hey man, it's Monday. Get after it. Ain't nobody go go get it. Go get the thing. And uh and so you know, just
0: I kind of gave up on that because everyone's a pussy, man. I just (laughs) you know, I'm so sick and tired of the why. Honestly, I don't really even scroll through Facebook anymore. I'll just sort of post my shit and get out. Yeah. Because it's just a bunch of wine and man, I see some of this shit and I'm just like, I would never post that. I mean, I wouldn't even tell that to my (laughs) friend.
2: Like, like what? Like what
0: just, like, you know, about how sad your life is and about how nobody likes me so much they won't even comment on this post. And I'm just, like, oh my God. a piece of shit. I mean, it's just, like, and I'm, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm harsh, but it's just, like, I, I've kind of given up on trying to motivate the masses. You know what I mean? Fuck them.
3: Fuck I kind of have, too, dude. I really kind of have, too. Like, the whole, like... um you know, multi-level marketing uh, kind of shtick became so prevalent, and then in the 2020s and 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 beyond, you know, all the all the high high sa- high ticket sales coaches and all that kind of stuff. I just had to get out of that world. You know, there's just too much of too much. It's just a cannibalistic. Uh, spot. And there's so much work that you got to do to stay relevant, you know, like it's exhausting just to stay relevant. So you're like posting and inspiring. And I think the algorithms are less and less, you know, h- helpful to you. Yeah. They're, they're hiding your shit, you know, if it's good, you know, and it just gets more and more difficult to kind of break through. So I totally get that. Um, and especially since the world has opened back up, it's been really nice to literally like get out and be out in society again, um, and, uh, do comedy again, you know, in a real room and, you know, start producing shows and doing all that kind of stuff again. Um, you know, our, our, you know, our, our main business is local, uh, working here around in Georgia. So I'm not having to worry about being on the internet as much. Um, there's still quite a bit of business stuff to do on the internet. And it is helpful, but, you know, it's not quite so such a grind, you know, it is such a grind. I feel bad for people who are trying to get eyes in that industry, because, I mean, I think it's very valuable and helpful to be a coach. The problem is it's like a paradox because the people who really need help usually can't afford it or don't have time. You know, they've got huge issues uh, to, to kind of break through in order to be able to get that kind of help. And then, you know, you've got a lot of people who are screaming, you know, who are really good salesmen who know NLP and they're selling each other's, each other's programs. It's coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches to coach. And I don't know (laughs) where that ends, you know, it's a, it's a lot, but the good thing about it, I think is like a lot of really good information has been shared and, uh, spread. You know, there's really not a whole lot of secret stuff. I mean, I don't know if there ever was, but you know the the good principles and the good ideas they kind of they they resound you know they kind of reverberate yeah so that's That's good that
2: you're that's good that you're kind of just i don't know aware or or at least lucid enough about it to be like okay this is like too much of a grind let's let's balance life out not everything online yeah, I've been thinking about that lately too, especially with all the changes that Darren and I had to go through. You know, getting this audiobook podcast out and and having that real scare with with the with the revenue. Um, like I got to get back to physical work again for a bit here to get to get to stay on my feet and and maybe that needs to happen a little bit more. Maybe I got to find a way to sort of supplement the online thing with some physical labor, even just for you know, even if it does take a w- a little bit away from long term revenue because you know we're trying to to build for the long term but sure. maybe it'll just help even just uh me getting out you know and having that balance yeah it's grow away more for winter you
0: know yeah winter is coming
3: that's true yeah well i find myself doing a lot more of that type of stuff in the winter it's like i took a break from podcasting or the summer it's like i know i'm going to be in the woods i know i'm going to be you know doing rafting and going on you know doing other types of trips and a little bit out of the loop so i kind of took off a couple of months there and i'm you know i'm coming back to doing some podcasting and stuff and uh, i've been working really hard building an instagram just for the local comedy scene here uh and posting all the shows here in our little town in georgia in athens georgia uh if you go on instagram just go look at athens comedy I've been doing everything I can to kind of put the scene together here and give people opportunities here, hosting a bunch of open mics and other shows and, you know, just really trying to get uh, get that back going because it's in the 2020s, like the Zoom Improv and the Zoom stand up, bro. No, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. I never want to see that again. I just, it, it was, it was. You know, you want to try stuff and see how it goes, but it just, it's just not the same. You know, it's not the same as being in the same room with people, um, in that physical aspect. I'm, int- I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what the future holds. I know, you know, lockdowns are predicted or whatever in the future for climate stuff. I follow a couple climate uh accounts and they just man i get so triggered at some of the that shit because they're like real climate accounts well they're like climate activist accounts you know and i get so triggered by that shit man it'll be they'll be playing the same clip you know from like 1997 of like a flood and be like this is happening in greece right now and then there's like a million comments that are like become a vegan. It's because you eat meat, you know, and then, you know, like climate change, uh, you know, uh, it's yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I'm not saying there's no such, a, I'm not a denier. I mean, I've got a bit where I'm like, I'm a climate change denier. Cause that's fun. You know, I'm in denial. I, change of, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm right, in we'll denial about a,
2: We'll be all kinds of deniers.
3: I'm here, in denial um, about a lot of things, man. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? only like,
0: two genders. Hey, <laughs> I remember that wasn't a joke. Dang. Anyway, I forgot what I was going to say. I lost my. I'm sorry. My, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. It was worth. How it. About
2: the climate change, you're going to say like,
0: oh, I was, I was like those lockdown thing happening. I don't think maybe in in part of the, I don't know. I could see like certain places doing it, but at least I'm not worried about it happening where I'm at. I can't see it happening in Georgia either.
3: I mean, Georgia is going to be slow to adopt a lot of that stuff. It, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how things progress. You know, once if you push up gas prices to eight to ten to fifteen dollars a gallon, then people are going to be like, "What the hell?" And then that maybe
0: they- I think is the most dangerous thing towards revolution is the fucking gas prices and the food prices. Those are the two things that. The motherfucker with an empty belly and an empty tank of gas, just like, all right, fuck you, man. I'm coming down to City Hall, or I'm, you know, fill in the blank. But historically, mm-hmm. it's those couple of things when the energy or the food runs out. Energy, of course, is more of a modern thing because back in the day, energy was like your horses or your firewood. But where's your food? You know, and a lot of it was your food was even more important back then. But you know, when those things run out, people get riled the fuck up. It's true. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Don't don't eat your babies.
3: Yeah. Oh my God, Jesus, dude. Yeah, like uh, it is gonna be interesting to see. Like I try to think ahead about that because I know there's not. I know there's a plan. You know, and go on the World Economic Forum and the Agenda 2030 and all that stuff. And I've seen all that, and I've seen what the cities are. I can't remember what the link was, but I looked at, to see what the cities for the smart cities were. And fortunately, nothing in Georgia. It was the closest the was like for, the, 40,
2: the forty cities. That's whatever. right.
3: Yeah, something like that. That's right. <clears throat> and uh, and so I've been looking into that stuff just to kind of get an idea. You know, I want to be able to plan for the future. It's like it's it's not about being ignorant and like manifesting the, a, a new world. One thing I think that I've recently caught on to is that. In every direction you run, there is just a, a death cult waiting to just snatch you up and, and hold you in its arms. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what that death, death cult is titled. It could be a New Age spirituality death cult. It could be a, an atheist death cult, a Christian death cult, anything uh, that has some sort of, a you know, a, an idea of, oh, well, the world has to end in order for a great paradise to happen you know, like that is that look run in any direction. And that's the story, you know? And, and so I've I just, at this point, I want to get back to like reason. I want to think about like what, what can be done and, and not, cause that goes back into what we were talking about, that nihilistic, I don't have control. I don't have agency slip into, you know, uh, just giving up. And then of course that slides into just like, just a terrible, awful situation. Um, I don't think it's necessary to have to go through that. I don't think that prophecy has to be fulfilled. Uh, I think we can say safely that it's usually not fulfilled. <laughs> you know what I mean? People prophesy it all the time, and uh, and we could go ahead and start building a new world or whatever we want to call it, a better system now instead of waiting for everything to crash and burn, uh, if at all possible. Um, so. I don't know. The trans serving stuff helped me because when I found it, like I was trying to change the world. I like, you know, and he says in that book that you can't. And when he said that like a huge relief came over me because I want to, I mean, I still want to, I want the world to be better. Who doesn't? A lot of people maybe, (laughs) but, but the majority of people that I know are good people. They want to, you know, they want to live in a just world. They want, People to have opportunity. They believe in abundance. You know, these are all these spiritual principles. And um, when he said that, it was just like a huge weight lifted off of me. It was that and just giving up the fight. Like that's the secret trick in transurfing if you skip ahead. It's giving up the fight with yourself, it's giving up the fight, period. If you have uh, an addiction or a problem, that you can't solve or fix, then you just lean into that and you own it. You just accept it, right? Like if you're a smoker and you just get a cool bomb, you know, and you become an enthusiast instead of trying to, beat that habit. So you keep more of your energy and then you wait and stave it off. And then maybe you make that change when you have more energy, but it's ultimately just about energy and letting go. Cause what he talks about pendulums uh, or energetic informational structures, the same as the law of hypnotic rhythm in Napoleon Hill's book. But those are all these distractions that just pull us away from ourselves and our true identity and who like we really are at the core And we get kind of caught into this world, this death cult, this death cult, you know, this death cult. Oh, check this out. And so when he talks about those pendulums, he's talking about like literally anything can be a pendulum, even like the volleyball club, you know, because you can become obsessed with it and give over too much energy. And then before you know it, you know, you have sacrificed another aspect of yourself in order to fall in line with that. And the rule of the pendulum is comply. Do as I do. Compliance. And the law of the pilgrim, you know, is to be exactly as you are and to allow other people to be exactly as they are. So that's that giving up the fight. It made a huge difference for me because I was so, I got to save the world or whatever.
2: Especially now that's tough with all the distractions. Like somebody's mentioning in the chats there, like distractions are many. I mean, now it's just, <clears throat> you know, especially if part of your, like we were talking about, part of your presence is online you know, having to do a certain amount each day can end up being distractions.
3: Yeah. It's, it's so easy now to, to be distracted more so than ever. I mean, it happens on a daily basis. even just, you know, trying to focus on a single task can be undermined just (laughs) in the phone ring or a text come through and then all of a sudden just slips through the cracks. So attention is, Attention is a huge, huge key, and that's one of the things that he's talking about. Attention as energy, really, and channeling your energy through your attention. And so Tufty talks a lot about that too. As that kind of gets into a little bit more, more complex mental kung fu or mental um, martial arts or whatever you might call that. That's, that's kind of how I like to think it's being presented.
2: <clears throat> getting getting back to like the young people um how how do you find how do you how would we help young people find their their you know purpose or meaning or you know what i mean is there any like anything i know it's probably a really hard stupid question but
3: no it's not i think it's an excellent question it's cheesy but that doesn't mean it's a bad question and a lot of things that are true are cheesy in this life you know it's as a comedian you kind of like mock everything that's sincere and and hipsters are even worse But the truth is the truth, whether it's hokey or not. Um, I have a little book that I wrote on my website. It's free. You guys can download it. It's how to find your purpose. Uh, It's like 10 pages. It's real short, but basically it's real encouraging. And there's a couple of different tips and tricks in there. I would say the icky guy thing I mentioned earlier, I-K-I-G-A-I is a great thing to look into, look up some videos on that, and then just take some time and journal, journal about the things that you're good at. What the world needs, what you can be paid for, and um, and uh, and and what you enjoy doing. Journal about those things. Write them down on a list, and don't forget to do the opposite. Write down the things that you don't like to do, the things that you don't want to make money doing, the things the world doesn't need, you know, so that you can exclude those things. It makes it a, just a more, more clear picture. And then, um, I think it was, man, I wish I could remember this guy's name. It was years ago. And I I heard him speaking and I would love to give him credit. His, I think his first name was Steve. He, he was like a big self-help book writer and stuff, but I can't remember his full name, but he kind of went on to do different things. But he said, if you want to know what your purpose is, just sit down and write what you think it might be for 30 minutes. And then when you write something that I mean, I don't think you have to cry. I mean, but when you write something that makes you cry is what he says, then, um, then that's your purpose. His name was Steve Pavlina. I remember, um, he wrote a bunch of good books and I heard him say that and it stuck with me and I tried it myself and it seemed to work, um, for me, uh, but you know, it's kind of like a mission statement or something like that when you create a business or whatever, if, if you have some sort of North, some reason why, well, you know, you can ask what that is. It could be another person in your life, even if, you know whatever that whatever that doesn't that's,
2: have to be big right it doesn't have to be big it could be super small
3: it could be very simple i mean mine's real simple it's just to it's just to bring other people joy so i try to remember that and if as if i can stay conscious of it and on top of it then when i'm in the line at home depot you know what i'm saying like i can cheer up the lady who's behind me or whatever um and and that and that is me fulfilling my purpose it doesn't have to be anything crazy um 100% yeah and so that just kind of leads to that next thing. I think what we bring into the world is there, you know, it's like, if we were bringing into a bunch of negative energy and, and anger, you know, we are actively kind of bringing that in. We are like, um, I guess I would say like, uh, amplifiers. So like whatever your energy is, what however you feel like you're kind of broadcasting that. So keeping that in mind, um, that's something that I've, definitely notice. And sometimes it's hard. I get into a shitty mood. You know, I, I I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to be at an open mic and I just get all sour. Or I'm grumpy. I wake up grumpy or whatever. These things, they happen, <laughs> but <clears throat> keeping that at the top of your mind, it can help you from like getting sucked into, because what used to happen to me was one bad thing would uh, go wrong. And then the rest of my day would go haywire as a result of it. It would just lead to the next comedy of errors. And then I would just go super negative within myself, you know, just unravel, just come fucking undone and you know, because of one little problem that was actually really easy to solve. <clears throat> so just becoming aware of that for me helped me to just be like, okay, this is this this is a, a challenge. And then my sort of comfort zone has grown more and more and I can kind of handle more and handle more and handle more. And I think as a result of that, you know, you you start to you start to have um, a little bit more resilience and a little bit more success over time. And then you can kind of see that pattern. It's like patience is really hard at first, but when you, when you get a a little reward, a little taste of it, um, it's, it's awesome. It feels really good. So just keeping whatever that is at the top of your mind, you can put it on your mirror or you can put it on in your car when you drive, just like your little mantra, Whatever works. That's what I would work with people on uh, a lot of times when I would be coaching. Is like I want you to have a purpose statement, and uh, and I've done other things as well. You know, when it when you get into acting and when you get into uh, a lot of the art stuff, like Hollywood story writers and psychologists and stuff, they have a lot of other tools and things that are really interesting too, as far as like how you come across, how people perceive of you, understanding yourself in context, you know, authenticity, that kind of stuff, which is really interesting too. So once you find that purpose is really just the search, that's the beginning of a huge realm of discovery. You know, you can learn amazing things about yourself and how you come across as a person. And I think that's, you know, just how, how to kind of continue that search. But start with, Start with the for the young people. Start with the, that question. Just ask what, yourself: what, you know? what if they?
2: What if they have have a purpose that's so too big, like way really big, like too too out of out, of, like literally, like just out of reach? Maybe you know, like maybe they could they could do it, but what? Like become new Jesus, Antichrist?
3: Yeah. <laughs> no.
2: no, no. I was thinking like you know it, it's still in this physical realm, but you know it might even be a career choice, but it's just, it's just so, you know, almost intangible. Like how, how would you, would you maybe give advice to pare that down to like many purposes within that or something or.
3: Yeah. I think you'd take it like any strategy and just small chunk it, you know, somebody says they're a student in the chat. Like I didn't see the value of being a student. My dad really did. My grandparents really did. Like, I don't see the value of a degree even now, but the, going through school for four years, or in my case, seven or eight, uh, and getting a degree and doing something that takes a long time, you know, there's a, there's a virtue there. There's a, you know, there, there's something to that. Um, And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Small chunking those things down to a larger goal, a larger vision. That's really what strategy is all about in the military. You know, they have the end end goal here and then they just step it down backwards and they backwards strategize it uh, to themselves. Okay. Well, before we have this final thing done, what do we have to have done before that? Okay. What do we need to have done before that? And what do we need to have done before that? And then just make it like a little ladder. So the first thing, you know, as a comedian, it's like, you got to get a tight five. You know, and then you got a type five. Now you can have a type five. You can do five minutes of comedy and then you want to get 10, 15 and 20. And then you want to get 30 or more in headline. So there's a clear, you know, thing. It's like you start out, you're like, well, I'm going to do my Netflix special or whatever. You know, whatever your goal is, everybody's is different. And then you just pare down from there. So that over the course of 5, 10, 15 years usually is uh, about the about how long it takes (laughs) to really, you know, get good at that uh, and master that, you know,
2: you want to test a bit out on us or
3: test a bit. Oh boy. I've got some dark stuff I've been working on uh, recently, but yeah, definitely the the climate change denier one I've been working on. uh, I think that's a funny thing to say to an audience. As soon as you say, I just, you know, I just learned that I'm a climate change denier, you know, but of course I'm in denial about a lot of things. I've got a closet full of medium t-shirts and I've got, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I've got a drawer full of Magnum condoms, you know, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really trying to like work on some new material that I don't know is hopefully, um, hopefully talking about, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough doing comedy to normies because it's like, I would do something completely different depending on what the crowd was. You know, if it was a crowd of people like us, I mean, a lot of my, a lot of the stuff that I'm working on, I don't know if it will work, but I've been working on another bit. Um, and this might actually be too close to home. <clears throat> this, might, <laughs> this might sour the vibe of the, of, of the podcast. No, um, I think it's a good concept. So, uh, I think porn destroys lives. It destroys families. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we all had to share a computer, uh, and everyone would use the same computer, the family computer. And my mom and dad divorced actually, because they found porn. My mom found porn on the computer. And one day she came up to me and she said, son, have you been watching porn on the computer? And I said, no, ma'am. Must've been dad. So. Uh Oh, and so like a lot of kids, a lot of parents will tell their kids, son, it was not your fault that we got a divorce. But in my case, that's just not true. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a fun, uh, that's a fun little bit that I've been working on. Uh, I don't know how true it actually is, but I think it'll make people very uncomfortable, at least for 75% of it. And that's that's the fun part right like you never hear any it's never the kids fault you know but uh but that's i guess the joke
0: i think it's kids fault quite a bit on some level anyway um let's switch gears how um how are you going to how are you going to deal with the lockdowns if they try and lock you down
3: again i don't know That's something i I don't know. I want to think about like the what car to buy. You know, do I need to buy a freaking electric car? I don't want an electric car, you know. No. I'm not interested really. I wanted one when they first came out. I was like, "Oh, cool, a Tesla. Ooh. I want one of those." When they first came out, but then I don't know, anything that's cool, I'm just going to be against it. If it's like popular, I'm going to hate it. I don't know there's something in me where I just I can't I can't get on board with anything that is mainstream or status quo. Um, so um I, I don't know, man. I don't
0: right. The second no one would, you know, it's like a fool me once. Right. The last time a lot of us were caught sort of flat footed. You know, it's like, whoa, what was going on? It was like a slow car accident and you didn't have time to really react. But now, if it's gonna be the same car accident again, how are we gonna handle?
3: It? How are we gonna be better? I'm gonna be insufferable. I'm gonna turn into you online basically i'm going to be posting <laughs> the same memes that you post all the time darren if this happens again and i'll never get booked again and that's how that's gonna go <laughs> i think
0: ben Banker just, just got canceled for a couple but, uh, i don't think uh it's the venues that have been canceling them
3: no it's not it's it can't be
0: Yeah, it's the venues the venues have so, people are calling, his haters are calling. It's mostly theaters, I think. All the yuck yucks and stuff like that are still doing it, but he's had like four theaters cancel on him now because, because the woke mob, because he's got, you know, some trans stuff and he's he's got some hilarious stuff where he pretends to be Asian. Who is this? You never heard Ben Bankus? I don't know him. He's a Canadian comedian. I went okay. and seen him here in town at Yuck Yucks, but he's, you know, I follow him on Instagram and he does a lot of, uh, a lot of Asian stuff and he does like fake voices over Trudeau and Jugmeat and the rest of these fucking douchebags. So he grew uh some infamy on Instagram from what I can tell and then spun that into a comedy career. It might have been the other way around. He might have hmm. been doing comedy to the whole time, but he's been, you know, going back and forth across Canada now doing shows and he's had four theaters cancelled because People send you know snippets from a set or stuff from a social media account. I
3: mean, dude, yeah, that's that's kind of the problem, right? And so, I was just talking to Paranoid American uh, Thomas uh, about this, and we recorded a podcast. I don't think it's out for a while, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing that has more of a like uh, gatekeeper aspect like comedy. Cause the, it just, it just does. It just has that, like the people who it's a small community. And so like the people who are booking, they're like a little, you know, group of, of people who, who do a lot of the booking and, you know, it, it just, it's difficult. It can be difficult. There's not like an independent scene over here or any of any of that. It's just really all kind of like one small, it's a small world. So <clears throat> yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know who would be responsible Exactly, um, but you you know you've got to kind of think outside the box. What is that guy? Uh, the 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 big bear? Um, what's his name? Um, he oh, got he canceled. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and he's got his own thing now. He's just doing yeah. Owen Owen Benjamin Owen Benjamin, yeah. Owen Benjamin, and he's doing his own thing. And so <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and and that's respectable. But I mean, it's also really hard to do something like what to the extent of what he's done if you're not, if you haven't already been on Rogan and have a huge following and stuff like that, it's like, I'm trying to get booked at like a 50 seat venue, you know, like I I can't sell Yeah, And and that's what's,
2: it's scary how the, how these people can call them. And then, so what if the, the, the the theater says, fuck you, like we're going to have who we want on. And then they, they, then, then they have this campaign that calls the theater, a bunch of names that aren't true. And yet that's not lawful, but awful on, on the, on Twitter, like this is how backwards the whole system is, right? They yeah. can probably make a bunch of accusations that aren't true. Exactly. But that's not going to be considered awful.
3: It happens but all what the time. Ben
2: says is awful. Do You want right. to hear Ben quickly or yeah, let's oh,
0: check let's him out. Do you have some? Which one are right? you
2: doing? I don't know. I'm just picking one around. Oh, you one better let me do this then because what, what a, yeah, that's good. Yeah,
0: play it. I, mean, I think they'll solve a lot of problems, you know? right? They
2: solved the homeless problem.
1: Like, oh, you like camping? <laughs> oh, I give you a nice camera. <laughs> it's near full memory. <laughs> yeah, use the shower. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: also, no more gay people. Okay,
2: Funny thing is funny. China, all those like right wing people would be like, "I don't want China to take over." They come in and be like, "No more gays,
3: no more homos, no smoke inside. <laughs> you would be like, "Fuck it." Who's the new prime minister? Xi Jinping,
0: whatever. I don't give a fuck. That was in Calgary. Yeah. Oh, was
2: it? Oh, that's yeah, funny. That, that was that one, one of. Them. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That was one of the shows. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Hell is yeah. Is he dude. the one that is he the one that does the Teresa Tam? Um, yeah, yeah. Voice yeah, yeah, over. Oh, my God. The oh, that's it fine.
0: Does, uh, the monkey hybrid, who's also Asian. The Chinese escaped monkey hybrid.
2: That one's here, if you want me to play that one. You play the monkey one? No. Nah, well, sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, whatever. If you don't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, if you could, whatever you guys want to do.
2: <coughs> I'll just quickly play this. Okay.
1: Oh, hello, hello. 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 It's me. Oh, a <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Made in the laboratory all the time, and I want to say to you, my America, you're know from a noble. You are everybody. You are easily entertained. You rock a Chinese ball. You ride right the Oh, hero.
0: Right. <laughs> that's, that's good. I mean, racism is funny. Let's be honest. I mean, I didn't make the rules. Well, I don't, right. even, not,
2: I, mean, it, I don't think it's right. It's not, I mean, I don't think it's even
0: racism. racism, but it's like fun racism. You know, it's not like let's gas the motherfuckers' racism. It's like poking fun at our differences. It used to be fun. So well,
2: now we can't even make an accent without being racist. I mean, is that where we're at now? That's not, that's oh, the yeah. definition. Like
0: race past like four or five years ago, man. We're not at that. That's like back That's true. That. So I'm like, yeah, like a couple yeah. hundred miles back. Rumble that's just crazy. shut down on us. I wonder Rumble. if it something to do with you playing that clip.
2: No, I can't. No. Rumble, no. We're still on YouTube. I mean, Rumble that's crazy. of Asian people. What were you we saying about five years ago,
0: what? Five years ago, you couldn't do accents. I I know.
2: I still you don't agree do with, it. Like, I you don't do agree with that. You still don't agree with that. You write, can. You, you write, just got to do
3: it right. It's just harder. That's the thing about it, man. I mean, I think people cry. Like... Bad comedians cry and they always will because they're like, oh, I can't just say thing anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, no, that's not funny anymore (laughs) because that's just anybody can do that. So like you have to find a new way to do it. And I I like what he's doing. There's a couple Tyler Fisher is really, really funny. Uh, He's doing some awesome stuff. And you can do these things and still get away with them uh, but you just have to be like clever about it like I know one guy who and he's a local guy around here he'll do a joke and he does like an Indian guy accent and then you can feel the whole room cringe and then he's like I know my accent needs work it's not very good <laughs> you know? so it breaks all the tension so he's able to get away with it so you just have to be smart about it like that's the thing people just want to like scream you know the n-word it's like dude that's not funny you know what I mean but like
0: well, the, but then the problem is they'll just get the clip of they'll just get the clip of that they only have to get the fucking 10 seconds over to the theater manager you know what i mean they don't have to have the whole joke that's what he said listen he's listening This fucking. he's pretending to be chinese
3: right yeah i mean it's it's weird it's a weird time Uh, i but a comedy evolves you know like i i kind of understand some people's gripes because it's like we've all heard that comedian bomb the incest joke so many times dude that i'm just like as a person who hosts a lot of open mics and like i try to encourage people in the scene i i I, like you just get really tired of the same like low-hanging fruit you know what i'm saying the
0: most common What's the most common joke on open mic?
3: I would say an incest joke or an uh, a bestiality joke is general and not done well. I mean, you can do a good bestiality joke. I
2: don't even know what these jokes are. What do you mean an incest
3: joke? Like you you know, sleeping with your cousin or your sister or something. That's a you know, like, an like a redneck,
2: like a redneck joke. Maybe Maybe
3: it's, maybe it is a regional thing. I am in Georgia that might have something to do with it, but, <laughs> but
2: oh, okay. I see what you mean. Like, yeah.
3: Like a joke about that like an inbre- inbreeding joke. Type yeah, thing. yeah. Something yeah. like that. That's probably the most common or just something like really graphic, you know, it's cause like when you first start out in comedy, you just want to get people's attention. You just want them to react. So you just got to say something that'll make them react. And that's what, you know, a lot of us do. When we first start out, we just say stuff that we know we'll get a reaction. It's like a groaner or something. And sometimes the groaner leads to a huge laugh. I don't have a problem with it, but it's just about doing it a little bit different, you know, because if you can, even the people who don't agree with you in the audience are still going to see the humor in it. You know, there's something about a, something that's really good. That's guttural. Like you can't stop yourself from actually laughing at it, you're like, "Oh, I don't want to, but I still do you know Eric Andre kind of did that with his show a few years ago when he started doing a lot of the prank kind of stuff. that's kind of his angle of things. It's like i feel I feel bad laughing, but I'm still laughing at this um, you know, and there's a lot of everybody's got their like, own style, but
0: I feel like you need that, you know, I feel like if you don't throw some mud at everybody then you know, then I'm, I'm a, I start to feel weird being there. You know, yeah. if I come to your show and you just make fun of fags and black people the whole time, I'm like, oof, that one. You know, but if you make fun of everybody, right? Then I'm like, all right, I can I can. You know, he made fun of rednecks and he made fun of white people. You know, if you, you can, made fun
3: of Republicans and Democrats, yeah, get everybody
0: in there, then it's then I'm. You're, a everyone's more willing to take the hit, and B I don't feel like I just was at something.
3: Weird, right? Like,
0: so yeah, 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 (laughs) because I get so many clips mailed to me, and I'll watch a clip, and I'm like, oof, that's like that's pretty white (laughs) (laughs) supremacist. in a world where everything's white supremacist
3: you found some (laughs) (laughs) i know what you mean that's so funny i agree and that's what comedy is supposed to be about right like this uh, should be hitting everything nothing should be off limits um you know but it's also i think we get to have our own perspective and our own point of view too as a comedian and it's a whole like long road to follow, but like getting that angle together, you can, you can disagree with people and they can still find you funny. Cause if you're like that grumpy old man, you know, like the things that piss off the grumpy old man, aren't the same things that piss off the 25 year old couple that's in the audience. But if he sells his perspective to him, then they're going to laugh about those things as he's describing it. You know, it's not it doesn't have to be on the same page. One of the things that I've noticed that just takes all the energy out of the room more than anything is taking aside, like actively taking aside. It's like what you're saying. You're like, somebody sent me that clip and I'm like, Oh, this feels like a meeting. You know, this feels like a, you know, like <clears throat> an exclusive kind of weird thing where they're trying to get me to think a certain way. As soon as a comedian tries to do that, uh, I think everyone's really turned off. You know, they're like, uh, I'm, I'm going to, back up from here because i don't really want to be on your bandwagon it's like as much as i don't want to be on theirs they don't want to be on mine either
2: Hmm. so what do you got
0: going on go ahead how do you see that sort of evolving through cancel culture and everything else because i mean it has to stay funny at what point is enough going to be enough you're sort of at the forefront of it is that because i'm starting to see the pendulum if not stop at least, it's, you know, it's not swinging back yet in every aspect, but it, it is swinging back in some sectors. And I mean, it's it will down in others and it's stopped in some and, you know, ultimately they're going to hit and start swinging back in the other direction at different times. Where's comedy at?
3: I think there will be uh, I think it will kind of swing back and there will be kind of more of a, a reactionary type scene, I would say. I think we're already seeing that, like the guy that you just kind of are showing me now, like, and several other people who know what they're doing, but it's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a weird kind of, um, it's a weird dance to try to like pull it off. You just have to be a little bit more clever, a little bit more clever, but I do think it will swing back and there will be more sort of more reactionary. I'm already seeing it, you know, like Like a lot of people are past peak woke past peak woke i think yeah i don't think we can get any more woke i mean and it, it it's so much in the comedy scene too <clears throat> and it's infiltrated into the comedy scene so much that if you don't go along with it then you're going to be ostracized from that scene and there will eventually become an alternative scene that's what i think will happen um you know because the standards just get higher and higher and then when that group of people start cannibalizing themselves and each each other then there's going to be not a lot of places to go. You know, it's like you were talking about accusations. It's false accusations. Those can happen anytime. Somebody can hit you up and be like, hey, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. You don't book them, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. And it's such a small community. So there's a lot of narcissists and gaslighters and psychopaths involved in that. Just like, there are in politics or acting or whatever. So it's just a weird, it's not what I wanted. I just wanted to make dick jokes. You know what I mean? I didn't want to like have to navigate seven in layers culture war. Politics.
0: What's, your best, what's your best dick joke?
3: Um, I don't have one. No. That
2: might
3: not go over very well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Right>.
3: <laughs> like a down. Now you
0: could be like a cool Zipper <laughs> dick joke or something. Like
3: that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think there will be. I would love for there to be. I can't wait for there to be like another, you know sort of scene i i think that will kind of happen at some point you know have
2: you heard that right wing conservative italian comedian i know?
3: have i have heard him he's pretty good yeah, the, yeah uh i've heard a few of his bits and they were pretty good I, mean, did, would, I
2: think darren would like them what, what's his name do you know his I name at all i don't know his name no, I just Dar- yeah. a few clips from, he seems really quite funny
3: i really yeah.
0: only you know i got it it's got to be live for me the comedy experience of like Even Ben's reels, I don't really watch them. To be honest, I follow him on Instagram mostly to support him. But I'm not watching his stuff because for me, the comedy experience, I want to be there with all those people. On on my Instagram reels, I want to watch shit get shot, mostly animals with bow and arrows, and uh, shit crash into other shit from dash cams. And just, you know. A lot of fails. Fails are funny. To
3: me. <laughs> yeah, fails are good. I watch a lot of comedy reels. I just uh, appreciate the the jokes, but I'm with you a hundred percent on being in the room. It's so, you know, it's so much better. It's such a better experience and something too. I think there's almost like comedy as almost saturated itself by so many people putting out specials, you know, um, nothing wrong with putting out a special. That's great. You know, put out your material. Um, But there's just so much. like It's almost intimidating. Um, And it
0: made it less likely for... I mean, I feel like I missed the era. But even when I first moved to Calgary, there was like four comedy clubs. And now there's like one. You know, it's not even every night of the week. It's like on the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday type thing. And if you didn't have all those Netflix specials and everything else, then maybe you would have... Hmm. Three or four, and have that going, you know, is more of a thing, and maybe it would still get some support. But I guess you guys probably don't want to have to fucking travel all over the place either. You know, that's got to get old too. Like Carlin was in his book, he was always whining about living out of his car, and he's always
3: whining though. Yeah, um, he was. It's true, he was always whining. You we're know, living off of whining. And honestly, dude, I would rather. I mean, it's cool to have a home, but you know, like New York, LA you can have a home there, but it's just because the population density, if you live anywhere else, you know, anywhere that's not like a major, major metropolitan area, then you're just going to have to travel. And even those folks, they travel, like they work hard, they work out in Philly or New York or whatever, and they get out there, but you might be right. If we weren't putting so much out there on the internet, people might be more interested in going to see it live. And it's a better experience live um, as well. I, I encourage people, but also I think I'm surprised that demand just isn't what it, is for it you know as a promoter and someone who does it hosts shows and produces shows myself like it's kind of hard to get an audience out there you know we're out here we're out here barking on the street and pulling people down which is awesome it's a very cool thing to do it's like hey there's a comedy show downstairs you want to come check it out seven bucks or whatever pulling people right off the street and into the club because there's walking traffic but getting people to drive to a club to see a show um it's, it's hard. And then you well, want
2: COVID didn't help, right?
3: It definitely didn't help, yeah. you know, and then Facebook algorithms and you used to be able to make a post and everyone would see it. And then you used <laughs> to make, be able to make an event and people would see it. You know, now you pay ads and people don't even see it. You know, that you're two, $300 down the road and ads. And then, you know, you've had 30 clicks on your thing. It's like, what, what is going on? so it's just, it's gotten more and more difficult to put butts in seats and to reach those people. Um, and I think that's part of it, too, with the comedy clubs closing down is like it's just it's just it's just hard to get people to wrangle in. Um, it is cool that you kind of control your destiny, you know, as a comic, but it's a lot to consider. It's a lot to think about because you have to kind of time your campaign and when you're going to launch that and how it's going to go and all that. It's been cool to watch a lot of people do it and what their tactics are.
0: But I like like it's opened up the aspect for a lot of different because I don't think stand up necessarily translates well to instagram like i say that's a live thing Mm -hmm. but i'm i do see a lot of like different bit stuff that wouldn't be possible up on a stage you know what i mean where like i don't know if all of it's meant to be funny but uh you know a lot of this out in public stuff lately i'm watching uh uh shauna sent me the dude that's always like making fun of people in mass. I get a kick out of that. You know, <laughs> people like reacting to different stuff on the internet. Some of those guys are pretty funny and they, more than anything, they like build up this huge following that then just starts producing the show on its own. Right. Cause once you got a hundred thousand people following watching your shit, then you know, every day uh, a few of them are inevitably going to stumble upon some stuff and send it to you. And now you've just got this, you know, self-replicating machine. I wish I could build that with memes. I should build a, a memery.
3: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool.
0: Owen, this has been great. Tell, because uh, we're gonna see you. Yes, soon, right? Yeah, no, soon, but less than a year.
3: Less than a year. Yeah, that's May, right? That is May. Yeah, May. May. Yeah, May, we're going to be hanging out in California. Once again, at Mount Shasta, we'll get to see some, see some cool stuff. We'll be doing some hikes and some things out there, out in uh, Shasta. Looking forward to that. Uh, If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so. Hit me up uh, on Instagram, Bootsy Greenwood. My website is BootsyGreenwood.com. I got some comedy up there. I got my most recent set up there. You can check that out from the 40 watt this summer. got some good Biden jokes that are not polarizing, you know, like whether you like them or not. And uh, nobody likes them. That's really the best part. Um, You know, uh, check that out. Instagram, we got a Telegram chat for the Blue Collar Mystics. Welcome to hop in there. Talk a lot about dreams and different things like that. Um, Reality Transurfing books and stuff. If you want links to that, you can get all that stuff in our Telegram and say hello to my friend, Abby, the Dream Weaver. Uh, if you got questions about that, um, we talk a lot about that kind of stuff in our chat. So come check us out and we'll find links for that on all the videos on YouTube and stuff like that as well. And uh, yeah, come hang out with us. That's really what we need to be doing is getting together in person. The legit bat folks were saying, even last time we were hanging, they were like, you know, in a few months, you're not going to be able to tell if this is a real person having a conversation or just some AI generated uh Person on this podcast or talking to you or texting you or whatever. So we need to get out in person and connecting more than ever. So come and hang out with us. And if you are in the Athens area, come see me do some comedy around here. I'm working on my business. So I'm not on the road at all, really, right now, doing a few things here and there. Uh, but if you're in town, come check it out and follow Athens Comedy on Instagram. You can see lots of clips and what's going on in our scene here, uh, there. Athens Comedy on IG and athenscomedy.com.
0: I'm old Thanks, enough buddy. to remember when you could make fun of the president and not piss off half the country.
3: I mean, you're supposed to, right? Like, that's the whole point of, how. Ha- like, that's like the main thing that everyone makes fun of. Like, I, I don't know, if you're Saturday Night Live, you're still making fun of Trump. But, you know, they used to be, it used to be whoever the president was. It didn't matter who the president was. You you, you know, you would make fun of them. Yeah, you're supposed to make fun of the president. It, it, even though with old, Sleepy Joe, it does feel a bit like punching down. Um, <laughs> he's still, it's, it's still worth uh, slinging some jokes. Uh, That's like
0: the perfection of democracy, man. <laughs> That's right. They finally got it to the point where you know we do we, they'll get it to the point where we just don't give a fuck who the president is. You just want to kill the your neighbor because you <laughs> right,
3: <laughs> right.
0: You caused my problem. You That's son. right. That's right. All right, Owen. This has been fantastic. Um, I guess we'll see you in May, hopefully before that. But you're welcome back here anytime. And uh, yeah, come back real soon. Good luck down in Georgia. Let us know when you have a new dick
3: joke. All right. I'll let you guys know for sure. I'll holler at you guys soon, too. I'm about to rev up our podcast, The Blue Collar Mystics, and I'll shout at you guys. Right on. Okay,
2: buddy.
0: All right. All
3: right,
0: Owen. Have Thank a great you. night. Thank you, guys. And that was a chat with the one and only Owen Hunt. What'd you think? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Always fun to chat to Owen. Chat to Owen. I can't believe we haven't had him on.
2: Well, yeah, like you said, we have. We haven't. We've had him on before in multiple, but just not, not on, on his own. Shows. Yeah. are always kind of shit
0: showy once yeah. and,
2: and thanks to people commenting in the chat and stuff, we're sort of still trying to get used to this live thing and. And uh, we'll keep doing it, I think.
0: Yeah. Till we don't want to, and then we'll stop. America.ca slash support. Big thanks to Owen for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening, for watching, for listening, whatever you do. Um, We couldn't do without you. We wouldn't do without you. Tell your friends about the show. America.ca slash support to support the show. Contact at the cabin for the trips. Adult brain for the podcast. America outlawed for the uh the stuff that's a little more controversial and spam Graham. He's not getting enough email these days. Send him more.
2: Graham
0: at now we love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.